the Severe MMA Podcast Premium with Sean Sheehan and Graham McDonald. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Severe MMA Podcast with me, Sean Sheehan, here directly after uh, the fight night between Danny Gay and Calvin Cater has just finished. Uh, so if you're getting up early in the morning, just about to go to work and you want to watch this in the evening or whatever, switch off to this podcast now because obviously there's going to be a lot of spoilers. Or if you're uh, not going to bother watching it and you just want the results or whatever, uh, you can hear the birds probably outside chirping. <laughs> so uh, I'm here and I'll give you all the results and I'll talk you through what kind of happened in a few of the fights. So I suppose in the main event first, it was... Um, it was a good fight. I, like, I thought it wasn't the best fight in the world, but I thought both guys fought to their utmost. And what more can you ask when, when they both do that? I thought Cater uh, fought very well at the start. He was picking his shots very, very well and fighting a very kind of intelligently timed and paced fight. So instead of going out and throwing loads of um, knockout blows against the guy I tweeted out during the week, he's never been finished, Dan Ige. If he went out and just tried to finish him in two rounds, he would have played right into Ige uh, and right into his hands and the way he wanted a fight. So Qatard refused to do that. He fought defensively well. He countered in him when he had that and he landed the power shots when he had that as well. Very good start uh, for him. So... He fought in such a way that he was landing and winning rounds, but not making himself tired, uh, which is, you know, perfect. He get in in the second round, he said, look, I can't allow that to happen. And he changed things up, started coming inside, landing big hooks, up in the pace, uh, the left hook. It looked like it broke the nose of Cater, might have already been a broken nose, and he just made it uh, <laughs> made it broken again, or, or opened it up a bit and started bleeding heavily. So a very good change up from Cater, and he did a fantastic job. Of uh, of uh, changing the the way the fight was going at that time, but in the third and the fourth and the fifth, it really was a change back. You know, Cater, uh, it was a close. You know, as the first round was, as the second round was, close rounds, but it was just a little bit more effective striking from Cater the whole way through. Landed a little bit harder shots, and on the fourth round, he landed on top at once. He landed a couple of elbows right down through the middle, which were very very good shots, and in the fifth. You know, Ige kind of had to come out and he had to fight at a higher pace. And he did that, but I thought it opened it up a little bit from Cater. Um, one judge had it 48, 47. Maybe that was the fifth round because that was close again. And I think they probably all had it. I haven't seen the, the cards yet. I'm literally doing this right after the cards. So um, I, I I would bet uh, that they all had the second for uh, for Dan Ige. But maybe it was the fifth as well because the fifth was relatively close. But no, I thought... Uh, I thought the first was pretty pretty clear for for Cater, and thought the fourth as well. Third relatively close, fifth relatively close, second relatively close. But uh, as I said, I thought the second as well for Iga. This was I was talking to Ian O'Neill directly afterwards, and we were kind of both agreed that it's hard to see these guys going kind of higher up in the division. You know, I think they they both have a little bit of a ceiling in the division, maybe especially Cater, because I think. I wonder could he get make one thirty five? I feel like he would fight well at one thirty five and be a good addition to that division. In the kind of a we saw we talk about him in a second, but Jimmy Rivera, to me, he's a similar sort of fighter, just a tough fighter all around, tough to beat, tough to fight, makes it awkward, never stops, is as tough as hell. And um, if 
maybe if he can get down to 135 that would be uh that would be a way for him to go but uh, just looking at the rankings now calvin cater currently ranked number six and he get ranked at number 10 so above cater you have uh yaya rodriguez chan sung jung brian ortega magomed sharapov and holloway like is there any of them you'd pick him to beat it's tough isn't it it's tough so he he did improve tonight and if he improves more maybe but it's it's hard to see that to be honest um watching tape on these two guys coming into it it's a funny one because watching tape two exciting fighters which everyone probably heard me talking about on the podcast during the week um but it didn't turn into an exciting fight you know it turned into a very tactical fight which i kind of like more than exciting fights these days so for me it was very good uh it'd be interesting to see for people watching it was you know it was an exciting fight as well but not kind of a a rock'em sock'em robot sort of fight but a very good close fight all the way through and again, I must say, good judging. I wish there wasn't all of this card for me, all of the last card as well, even though that Max Holloway fight was very close. But uh, yeah, I couldn't uh, I couldn't fault him there anyway. And uh, a good fight throughout all of it. Um, I'll, tr- I'll tr- keep this podcast relatively short and sweet and run you through the decisions and a few of the, maybe the stories that I thought were uh, kind of sticking out in this. But yeah, that's kind of close up in the main event anyway. Good close fight. Neither guy moving up too far, neither guy moving down too far, I would say. So, um, you know, kind of what we uh, what we signed up for and what we got. Um, the comment event, the Tim Elliott fight. This, was to me, was a very, very close fight. Um, I thought been Benight won round one, just landing a little bit uh, harder shots in that one. And at the start of the second round, I thought he was doing the same. I thought he was landing a little bit better. Maybe not as much or not as hard, but... Uh, uh, maybe the first minute around i think tim elliott probably outlanded him 20 shots to one or two but benoit or benoit whatever his name is landed the harder shots so i had him ahead at that stage but um the the effective grappling on the ground from tim elliott i think kind of turned this fight around he went for the guillotine um which was very very close maybe kind of two stages he adjusted it as well and nearly had it so came very close to finishing the fight which scores big uh on the judges uh, scorecards the knee barred in from uh benite was close as well but i don't think nearly as close as tim elliott's even though tim elliott had a bit of a grimace on his face i don't think it was as close to finishing the fight as tim elliott was then they got back to the feet uh and benite for me won it on the feet again later so i gave that second round to benite but when someone comes closer to finishing the round, you know, may, maybe I'm not weighing the effective grappling enough there. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like the effective striking was enough. I feel like he won the effective striking battle more than Tim Elliott won the effective grappling battle. Because he had the good knee bar, say, versus the good guillotine. I thought the guillotine was better. But the striking then, I thought there was a world of a difference in it. Um and you know maybe again maybe i'm wrong there maybe my looking at the judging criteria is incorrect and i should have scored and i probably you know think <laughs> critiquing myself now i probably am wrong i probably should have scored the uh almost fight ending sequence more than i i did but uh yeah wh- wh- whichever way you slice it very close anyway and the third again very very close i scored it for tim elliott um but it was one of these fun, one of these fights you could have given it 30 27 to ryan benight um and you the 29 28 to tim elliott is grand as well they all gave it 29 28 to tim elliott uh which is you know a good score and i think 29 28 benight is a good score as well but uh although maybe the third to benight wouldn't have been as good but yeah 
Uh, good fight anyway, very, very good. Great win for Tim Elliott. You know, it's a guy like Tim Elliott, need, he needs to keep winning. Under some guys in the UFC, they're exciting, and if they win or not, it doesn't really matter. And Tim Elliott is that way uh, a little bit, but like if he keeps losing and he has lots of losses in a row now, he had three in a row after that. If Tim Elliott lost four in a row, he's been out of the UFC before, not too long ago. So if he was to lose four or five in a row, he could be gone, even though he's lost to all good guys. You know, Askar Askarov, Davidson Figuier, the de facto champion in that division, and Brandon Rival not too long ago. So um, yeah, he'd really need to pick up that win, and he did a good job picking it up there. Uh, the aforementioned Jimmy Rivera against Cody Staman. Not a classic, not a classic. Now, Jimmy Rivera, just tough. Like, he's just tough all over the place. Never stopped fighting. Just 15 minutes all the way. One thirty twenty-seven, and two of the judges' scorecards, 29-28, and the other one... Yeah, it was it was one of those fights. You know, it was one that it wasn't close enough for the man to get uh, a twenty nine twenty eight. I don't think. I think uh, Rivera just dominated it. And you know, I said coming in it was probably it's tough to match make these days because how many people are available? You know, I think uh, Jake made that point on the podcast we did. How many people are actually available for someone like uh, Cody Staman? Um so to give him someone like Jimmy Rivera and kind of stop his momentum going forward was probably not the best matchmaker in the world because Jimmy Rivera is a guy who's always going to be kind of the gatekeeper in that division um, and you know he, he didn't open the gate tonight and let uh, Cody uh, Samandro he was more of a wall and he, he stopped him there so a very good uh, very good fight for him um, then we had a lot of the, the British uh, contingent on the card. Molly McCann was the last of them to fight. And she fought Talia Santos and lost the unanimous decision. 30-27 uh, on all three cards. Um, I had a 29-27 to Santos. Given the third round to McCann and the second round 10-8 to Santos. Um, first round was probably the closest I would say. Uh, although no the third round was the closest I think but the, the first round was close as well I thought Molly McCann started very well she looked fantastic she looked so improved from her early fights in the UFC and her late fights in cage warriors but Santos I thought just maybe land started landing a bit harder on McCann when she was landing her good stuff and it kind of took her out of her game a little bit and then Santos was able to get a couple of takedowns pushed her against the cage and landed some good shots there um and the same thing kind of happened in the second um where McCann started well early but Santos took over again her wrestling in round two was the big difference and round like round three I thought Manny McCann landed all the better stuff uh early for the first two or three minutes Santos got a takedown again landed on top did absolutely nothing for a minute and a half and then landed some late so it was a definitely a close round all look all three judges scored a t- uh, 30 27 for her but i thought manny mccann won the third round <laughs> it's uh <laughs> if i was watching like half five in the morning though so i may have to go back but all in all it didn't really matter i had i had santos winning all three judges had santos winning so yeah uh, look i don't i don't you know everyone was saying santos has improved an awful lot i think manny mccann has improved an awful lot as well and will keep improving you know she's very young in her career i think this was her fifth ufc fight and you know people maybe in the know know molly when she got to the cage warrior cycle and i think she probably even said herself it was a little bit early for her to get to the cage warrior cycle and it's probably still early for her to get to the ufc and five fights in i think when molly mccann the way she's improved and the way she keeps improving what she'll be like when she's 10 fights in will be even better again. So I'm excited to see where Molly McCann goes. Um, fighting at 125 as well. It's a relatively uh, top-heavy division. So go if she keeps improving, gets another three or four wins, and um, starts to climb back up, 
I could see her going far in that division still because when you have that sort of work ethic and you have the ability to improve the way Molly McCann has improved, I think you'll keep improving and her mindset seems to be good as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for Molly. And same with Talia. She was very, very good. Uh, Obviously improved from her last stint in the UFC and her last fights as well. So very, very good. Um, Then probably the the best fight in the card, Munir Lazez from the uh, Hidden Gym section of the rewatch fought Abdul Razak Al Hassan, just a brilliant fight. Um, Abdul Razak Al Hassan came out like he always was throwing fucking bungalows early, but Lazez did a brilliant job. Blocked for me, for me, blocked mo- all of them, nearly most of them, and was really confident. Stuck to his game plan, weathered the storm, started landing his jab, throwing those lovely knees, kicks to the body, hurt Al Hassan early, set the tone. Would not be Alfad by Abdul Razak Al-Hassan and just kind of took over and showed like he's he's one of these guys that he's exciting he's flashy he's a kind of a cool guy but he's also smart and he is um tactically and technically aware and tactically especially like his tactics in this fight for UFC debut no octagon jitters here for this guy just brilliant I thought he was absolutely fantastic so a brilliant brilliant performance to start off your career fighting it was a cash at 170 but he'd be fighting at uh welterweight i would say in this uh, him versus Mikel Pereira would be a lovely fight but this guy is going to go far in the UFC he's really 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 good uh and it'd be interesting to see what way the matchmaker maybe they give him a few wrestlers and stuff like that it might go as well but no i think he's a very very good fighter and um when you fight as well as that against someone as dangerous as Al Hassan in your UFC debut, I've uh, I've high hopes for you. So very very good for him uh, there. Uh, then under that, John Phillips had a really tough night against Kazmat uh, Chimaev or Chimaev. Uh, one judge gave him a ten seven in the first round there, and that wasn't misplaced. You know, it was a uh, it was closer to a ten seven than it was a ten nine. Um, I, I remember tweeting before that there'd be a takedown win in 10 seconds. I, t- I think he came after four seconds. Uh, Chimaev just immediately came across the cage, took John Phillips down and just battered from on, battered him from on top. Um, you know, just overwhelmed him. Um, John Phillips, I thought, actually did well at the start to try to get up. Kind of got to his knees, got against the cage. But uh, Chimaev just pulled him down again and, and made it difficult for him and kind of took the fight out of John Phillips then because everything Phillips tried to do and he tried to do a lot I think in the first two to three minutes of the round he just he there was um he might have had an answer for all of it you know and John Phillips kind of ran out of <laughs> ran out of his own answers then and he might have kind of just destroyed him from that point on uh, and won by Darce Chalk in the second round when he got a, another takedown as well so fantastic performance from him and you know John Phillips he is what he is he's a big puncher a big knockout artist and uh, he'll always be fun doing that so this matchup or matchmaking I know I think it was on short notice probably not the best for old, for uh, John Phillips so you know he, he'll be back again I'm sure um, probably the standout performer in this whole card was uh, Leron Murphy who fought Ricardo Ramos or sorry Ricardo Hamas um Hamas came out throwing those big swinging flying <laughs> kicks all over the place throwing that Conor McGregor you know behind the leg fucking Eric Lamella kick um, and he, Murphy just dealt well with all of them you know he wasn't one bit surprised by any of them took them all very well was landing his shots down through the middle landed a lovely one two at one stage uh, ended up on top looked like he knocked out Hamas at one shot as the referee was kind of moving around but Hamas kind of came back and it was 
you know, it could have been stopped there, I think, if the ref had seen it, but I think he was just kind of switching his position, so it was fine. Um, and they kept uh, they kept going, and then Murphy just ended up finishing him from a similar sort of position after it. So it was um, a clinical performance from Murphy, very good. Myself and Jay talked about it on the podcast uh, that we did the other day that he is underrated, and I think without a shadow of a doubt he is. This guy who... You can't, you can't underrate him. He's so good, very good. Now, like Hamas, we know how good he is all around on the ground, standing up as well. And Murphy just, just destroyed him in all areas. I think brilliant, brilliant performance. So, um, fair play to him. Um, which fight was it as well? Was it the? I think it was the Abdul Razak Halasan fight, and um, we we'll get the other fight in a second. But where there was a couple of stand-ups, I think it was Daniel Mavahedi. Um, the first stand-up. Like, I can understand the first stand-up from a certain extent. Uh, he warned him a couple of times. They didn't move, and he got him up. The second one then... Um, it was this fight, wasn't he? Al-Hassan got him in the guillotine. I was on the ground, and Lezez um, went over to a mount. And he told him to improve the position because they weren't moving. He moved to side control, and uh, the referee almost immediately stood it up, which I disagreed with. Now... The thing I disagree with the most was warning him in the mount. But, like, I'm not totally against... If, if you're in the mount for three minutes and you're stuck in a guillotine, I think you should absolutely be warned. I think I think it's more about the inactivity than it is the position. Um, but the position should matter as well. And the posi- position definitely matters. Um, if you have a better and a more dominant position like that, I think you should be given a little bit more time. And a lot more time than he was given. So that was to me a very very bad mistake but he made a, a great call I think at the end of the first round of the Mendes Bukowskis Andreas Mikadilis fight uh, where Bukowskis uh, landed those McGregor elbows on Andreas and basically knocked him out at the end of the round but the round ended as he kind of landed the last couple of them uh, Andreas went to his knees or kind of sat down on the octagon the referee looked at him he was like the end of the round you have to get up and get back to your um, corner he attempted to get up, but he was kind of like, oh, what am what, what? It's in the round. He's kind of trying to play along with the referee. And then, unfortunately, he was like at the cage door when he tried to stand up. And then he like fell back through the cage door. But you could see it. He tried to get up like two or three times. He wasn't sure it was in the round. Obviously, caught and then fell backwards. Now, did the door being open help? Absolutely not. If, if he was against the cage there and he would have got his back to the cage, maybe he would have got back up and he would have been fine. But I think it was the right decision. He didn't go mad afterwards. You know, um, Andreas, he kind of knew that he'd been badly hurt and that he was finished. So I thought the referee did a great job. He took his time. He looked at him. He looked in his eyes and he saw that day he was finished and uh, he he finished it so you have to give him credit for that and I would criticise him definitely for the stand-ups as well so you know he got the I think he got the major decision correctly and I'm, I'm sure he'll look back at that one especially standing him up from side control and more importantly I think actually the warning from the mount I think you look at that again that's something you can kind of easily rectify but uh, yeah overall I think uh I think he got the major one right anyway. So, um, Jared Gordon, Chris Fishgold, Jared Gordon. They said on the commentary that he called himself a better version of Chris Fishgold, and that's kind of what this fight looked like—just better wrestling, better striking. There was, you know, I thought Gordon was just kind of a level above a little bit. You know, it was one of those fights where, from the very kind of first ten five. 
not not even five minutes, three or four minutes, you kind of knew that it was going always going this way. And you know, thirty twenty six on all three cards, probably good uh, good cards. Then the fight between Liana Georgia and Diana Belicia was uh, an armbar in the first round, and basically that was it. Uh, she went for loads of armbars, eventually got one in the end, uh, and did a great job. And then Jack Shore, fantastic. This guy might be the best prospect in the UFC. If not, he's, he's up there, one of them. Great takedown domination on the ground in the first round in the second round got the rear naked joke just looks so effortless 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 it's fucking six o'clock in the morning just so comfortable he's level change he's little small shots just to open things up he's he's a different level you know we talk about fighters all the time and their comfort level and it's you know cage warriors help so much because Bukowskis looked very comfortable as well and you know maybe we talked about the finish there too much and I I thought sorry we I talked about the finish too much he's a fantastic prospect as well absolutely brilliant fighter and Jack Shore at bantamweight that tough bantamweight division you know he could be one of the best fighters in the world and he could only be barely in the top 15 of that division it's so strong but he is right up there right up there he might be the best prospect from the uk and ireland at the moment a very 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 good fighter now things can obviously change people can get better and people can get worse and stuff um so we'll see where it goes but uh at the moment he looks absolutely fantastic and he looks like you know he looks like there's nothing stopping him getting in towards the top 10 um and i know it's early in his career in, in the ufc but uh I I, I I don't think that's much of a big prediction for me a very very good fighter so all in all you know, the for the the fighters of this side of the world, great win for Jack Shore, tough loss for uh, Chris Fishgold, great win for Madiskus Bukowskis, re- really impressed by Lerone Murphy, a tough night for John Phillips as well, and a tough life night for uh, for Molly McCann, and, and as I said in the main event, wrapping it up, and uh, good win for for Dan Ega, or sorry for uh, Calvin Guitar over Dan Ega. So, um. Let me give the results again, just for anyone here who hasn't um, maybe watched the card and is just waking up to this. So, Calvin Cater uh, defeated Danny Ega by a unanimous decision. Tim Elliott, unanimous decision over Ryan Benoit. Jimmy Rivera, unanimous decision over Cody Staman. Talia Santos, unanimous decision over Molly McCann. And Munir Lazez, unanimous decision over Abdul Razak Razak Alassan. So, it was one of those cards, you know. We'll get the undercard in a second. The undercard, very exciting. The main card, not as exciting, but a couple of good fights. So the undercard, uh, Kazma Chimaev defeats uh, John Phillips by a second round uh, submission with a dark choke. Hiroan Murphy defeats uh, Ricardo Hamas versus t- via TKO in the first round. Modestus um, Pukowskis at the end of the first round defeated Andreas Michalidis via TKO with the McGregor elbows. Uh, Jared Gordon defeated Chris Fishgold by unanimous decision, 30-26 all the way around. Uh, Liana Zhuja defeated Diana Belbita via submission armbar in the first round, and Jack Shore defeated by Aaron Phillips by a submission with a rear naked choke in the second round. Right, everyone, thank you very much for listening. I'm off to bed. Um, we will be recording me and someone else a preview for the card at the weekend, and that will be up on Friday morning. Good luck to y'all. See you then. Bye.